Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hi, Christy and all you mysterious foodies out there. It's day two of my Game of Books trip to Florida. Woohoo! Christy and I are enjoying our time together in 80 degrees while my family is back in South Dakota digging themselves out of yet another round of snowfall and canceled school. Oh, so sorry, family. (laughs) And because I'm not there in the snow, I'm ready to celebrate. Yes. So it's definitely time for some wine. Yes. Tell us what you (laughs) picked today, Christy. Okay, I picked buttercream Chardonnay. Mm. This is from California. It's a Chardonnay. And I um, just want to read the label because that'll kind of tell us Mm -hmm. everything about it. And you can tell me if it matches. It says, like the buttercream cake our grandmother made, this Chardonnay displays a rich, creamy texture with tropical fruit, vanilla notes, and a kiss of sweetness. Hmm. Ripe grapes ferment in stainless steel tanks, then undergo maleolactic fermentation Hmm. to bring out the buttercream characters. Wine is finished in oak to add a complexity and nuance. What do you think? Well, Does it taste like butter? I, I didn't get a lot of butter. Let me try it again. <laughs> you know, there is a creamy, there is a creamy okay. <laughs> feature to it. Okay. I, um, it's I have a to, little too sweet for me or something. You know, Chardonnay's not my favorite wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a good friend who loves Chardonnay and so I drink, I've drank a lot of it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, I can kind of get that creamy aftertaste. You're right. You know, I was looking oh, at Oh, now the, all of a sudden I'm tasting See, butter. there is a little... <laughs> is that the power of suggestion? <laughs> I believe that is. It could be. You know, when you had brought up the bottle of wine, because we are together, mm-hmm. um, I was commenting on the label. I think it's a really a lovely looking label. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I said, what does that remind me of? It reminds me of something. And honestly, it reminds me of um, an old-fashioned creamery Right. Label that lettering. I mean, they did a really good job of with the um, the look of it to yep. you know kind of elicit that creamery um, mindset. Yep. So um, besides that, I mean, this this is an under twenty dollar bottle of wine, and it was um, I got it at Total Wine. Mm-hmm. And from what I can tell in researching, I mean, this is a real big Total Wine wine, like. I can't find their website. I can find them on Total Wine and a few other wine mm. stores. So I'm not sure if it's going to be found in South Dakota. Yeah, you know, I have to. I have not perused the Chardonnay section recently at mm-hmm. our um, liquor store, but I will check it out when I get yeah. home and see because I think my friend would really like it, and so I'd yeah. like to buy it for her because her birthday is coming up. Oh, there you go. I know. All right. All right. We have a little drink here. Yes. <laughs> so, Kathy. We're getting a lot of good feedback on our first episode of Corks and Conversation, although it was a little variation on Corks and Conversation, but I think uh, people are kind of liking it because we had a really good interview. We did. We had the real uh, privilege to talk to Cindy Callahan, and she was just a delight. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed that conversation. But we did have to vary it because she writes a middle grade series, specifically a tween girls series. Mm-hmm. And so um, hot c- cocoa was more appropriate for her than, than 
um, wine. Which uh, was fun. It was fun. You know, because she, because she was so informative and... Oh my gosh. We understood, but you know, maybe one day we'll meet her in person and That's have a she glass said. of wine. Yes. <laughs> but most authors we're going to talk to, we will... Um, share their preferred yeah, bottle so of wine. So next week's will be another fun one, and it's Very gonna, excited. you know. Yep. But I did notice that the story that she had about her inspiration mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. her Just Add Magic books. Yes. That really, um, I think, resonated with some of our listeners because it was just so cute how yeah. she got the inspiration from watching her, her eight-year-old daughter cooking together with yeah. other friends and and now they have a series on Amazon about you know based on these books so very successful series I really enjoyed listening to her to discuss how she divided her time between her consulting career and her and her writing career I mean yeah. she really has two separate careers right and I really enjoyed um, her suggestions and tips and her what she shared about how she uh, approaches marketing. I yeah. thought that was a really um, helpful little snippet for um, other writers. So tune in. Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't listened, mm-hmm. go back and listen because it's you know it's a good one, and we're gonna have more to come. So that's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to doing that. Also, when we get to Sleuth Fest, I know it's gonna be really. There's a gonna fun be so many authors there, and we're gonna do some live podcasting. Yeah. So that'll be real good. So. You know. I'm excited. Yep. Okay, let's take another sip of this buttercream Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. And then I really want to hear the mystery that you are bringing to the podcast today and, of course, your food scene. Okay. And the reason for the Chardonnay. Okay, good point. So my book is called Silent City, and it's by Alex Segura. Mm, that sounds familiar. Yes, he is going to be one of the featured faculty authors at SleuthFest coming up. So we'll get to meet him in person. And, you know, now we'll be able to tell him little tidbits about food and wine in his book. And <laughs> in case he didn't know. We took a real forgot. close read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the these this is the first in the series, the Pete Fernandez series. And these are mysteries. These are mystery thriller, hard-boiled kind of mysteries. Okay set in Miami. Mm. And so there was even a scene where they came, like, actually, bad stuff happened just a few blocks from me. <laughs> well, that actually happens <laughs> in, in real life, I'm sorry to say. Oh, yeah. not, not this bad. Just, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. And so he also does short stories, and he does best-selling and critically acclaimed comic books. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he does um, Archie's comic books. I'm not a oh, comic book reader. So. I'm not either. I'm, I'm sorry to say so I don't really get kind of the ramifications of that, but I, now I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I think, it's, it I think it's very popular. And But he also, he co-writes a podcast. <gasps> really? Yes. It's called Lethal Lit and it's like a fictional story in podcast form. Neat. Yeah. Well, that'd be fun to check out. I know. Gotta support yeah. other Got to support other podcasters. Absolutely. That's yeah. great. So that's some, one, one more podcast we can listen to. Yes. Especially before Sleuth Fest. So Absolutely. We can, you know. But um, anyway, so in this book, this main character, Pete Fernandez, he explains about this turning point that happened when he was younger. Um, his dad was a cop. Mm-hmm. And he got busted with a friend trying to like rob a store, or they were trying to shoplift, and they the got dad caught. or the or the, the kid. kid, okay, the kid. Yeah, yeah. And so his um, his dad 
you know, being a cop, he came down hard on him. Oh, I'm sure. And the the friend um, didn't fare so well, but they and they you know parted company. But the reason he feels a lot of guilt about this, but his father was on him, would not let him go anywhere. Mm. He drove him from one place to another. Now, this is a single dad. I mean, albeit he's a cop. So I guess I think he had a little bit more clout because to me, I'm wondering, would that really work with a teenager to be Mm. able to be on them and keep them strictly? And do you think you could do that or a single mom could do that? Well, that's what I was thinking. If you're a single dad plus a cop who's working some serious hours, that would be a challenge. I know. But... But I guess you have the fear yeah. You're, of if, your dad's going to catch you. If the motivation's there. Right. Right? I mean... But I, I think, I mean, I don't know that it would always work. I think it might backfire with one, oh, some yeah. kids. Or maybe that is the best way to handle it. Because I know that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, their kids are, <laughs> like, giving them challenges. Yeah. And I think probably the best thing would to be, be on top of it. And I think that's why the other friend didn't... Didn't fare so well. Yeah. Interesting. Because he didn't really have a strong family. Mm-hmm. You know, not that this kid did, but I don't know. Interesting. I don't know, but I don't know if I could, I don't know if I'd have the stamina. Well, I, I, um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank goodness my kids didn't challenge me that much. Yeah. Because I probably would have been like, well, I'll just lock you in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sounds, going anywhere because, oh, you know. That's the old version. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, not doing anything. Listen, I think parenting is hard work (laughs) no matter what. And if you add additional things like that, like what you're describing, that's a whole other, I can't even imagine. But I say I also think parents, um, desperate times call for desperate measures and you'll do what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hopefully. Well, I, I just know that I probably just put a little flap under the door for their food and they'd be in there the whole time. <laughs> a little meal flap. Yeah, it's funny, our sound editor is smiling. I, 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 <laughs> He's like, I remember that flap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he required the flap. No, no, no. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, gosh. But anyway, so um, in the wine area, now our, the character did not drink a lot of wine. He drank a lot of everything else. Oh, okay. You know, that was a strong point of his... Pete Fernandez, not so much a wine drinker, huh? No. <laughs> um, but... Well, the, I will have a drink for him here now. Okay, yes. But the one of the... Um, the very opening scene was um, of another character, and she was drinking a Chardonnay, a glass of Chardonnay. Oh, very nice. Before she had was mm-hmm. abducted and whatever oh, we don't oh. know we don't know you know but it seems she was either killed or abducted in the very first scene so and at least so she... that was part of you okay. know so i'm not going to tell you what happened but in the very very first scene she was drinking chardonnay and then disappeared and then disappeared oh that's not doesn't bode well i know mm. but it probably wasn't buttercream it probably not, and i'm gonna have my <laughs> drink <laughs> okay, this is starting to get very buttery on us Ooh. Maybe that's the thing. The more you drink of it, the more creamy it tastes. That's true. (laughs) Okay, and speaking of, you know, delicious things, Mm -hmm. um, in the book, he did mention, because it is set in Miami, he talked about going after, um, to a 24-hour Cuban restaurant Mm. in the middle of the night trying to sober up, and they had a media noche sandwich. Mm. So I was like... I don't know what that is. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> You're going to share. <laughs> I didn't either, even though, you know, I grew up down here. Well, basically, a medianoche sandwich is the same as a Cuban sandwich. Um, 
but it uses a different type of bread. So it's a roast pork, ham, mustard, Swiss cheese, and sweet pickles on a um, soft egg dough bread. Whereas a Cuban sandwich is basically the same thing. Although I think I use dill pickles when I do it, not sweet pickles. I don't like sweet and, pickles. And um, yeah, I don't either. So I don't know if that's the natural thing is mm-hmm. sweet pickles. And I've always changed it. But yeah. um, that would be on a Cuban bread, which is crustier bread. And you press them. And the way I do it is like I a put, panini kind of thing. Yeah, or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you put butter on the outside, and you put it in a pan, and you put another pan on top, and push down, and then you grill it, and you turn it over and grill it again. So oh, it's like a yum. It is so good. You know, any melted sandwich. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I just think that's so yummy. If you get a good right bread on the outside with a good crust. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so the medianoche was, um, it means midnight in Spanish. Oh, Spanish. So it was basically, (laughs) in Spanish. In Spanish. (laughs) It was basically they, you know, in the middle of the night, when, you know, they're coming home from the clubs, they go and have these sandwiches, kind of like, you know, we would go to Denny's or something. They get the medianoche sandwich. That sounds way better than Denny's. (laughs) I know, it does. (laughs) But I've made Cuban sandwiches, like for tailgate parties. Yeah, they're really good. They're, you know, I can get all the ingredients because, well, we're in South Florida. So there's Cuban bread, there's Spanish pork, you know, Mm. you can get it all. Plus, I don't like mayonnaise and it has mustard on it, not Mm. mayonnaise. Mm. So I always like that. And um, and then I make it, just wrap it up in some tinfoil and bring it um, to tailgate parties. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so we've had them at Dolphin Games and Marlin Games. And he actually mentions sports in this too because oh, he, he was, the main character was previously like a sports journalist okay. so he talks about the same teams and i'm like oh my gosh but anyway yeah so that sounds maybe while delicious. you're here i'll make you a cuban sandwich i just one more thing to eat we're gonna be I like know. eating all day <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> really have a lot of things to try i love cuban food but i have not had very much of it it's certainly not that much authentic food but when i used to live in minneapolis they had a really good Cuban restaurant there. Oh, yeah. And um, our uh, some good friends took us out, and we had many mojitos, I will say that. <laughs> so I don't really recall all the food, but I know it was delicious. Yes, and we do. And we have a lot of Cuban restaurants, yeah. even in Fort Lauderdale, and we don't have to go all the way down to Miami. So how lucky. I know. I would imagine. We should try one later, maybe. Yeah. That's what we should do. We were time. talking about that, what okay. we should do tonight for dinner. I'm, I'm yeah. open. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, yum. So let's have another little taste of... Okay. Um, let's see how creamy it tastes this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the outside of a Cuban sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to um, listen to uh, Alex Segura at Soothfest. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It I will wonder, be. Do you know what um, what he's teaching us? I, I mean, don't. what workshop? Yeah, I have to look either. and see. We, we should I should have looked that up before. I just didn't. Everyone can go to sleuthfest.com. Uh, that is true. We are like Sleuthfest ambassadors. I know. We are. Everybody should come and... You should. It's a great writer's conference. And watch our pa- the live podcast. Yes. That's... And we'll drink wine with you. We will. And we'll do <laughs> We'll do a couple episodes of Corks and Conversation with yeah, authors while we're there. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. All right, so what's your book? Okay, so, ironically, speaking of Sleuthfest. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, it's upon us, and we've been talking about it an awful lot. I know. And so I chose another author from Sleuthfest. Oh, good. I did. I chose Tom Straw. 
Oh. Now, not everybody might not know Tom Straw's name right now. He's had a very, very interesting career. But the cho- the book I chose is um, written under his pseudonym, uh-huh. which I think many people will recognize, Richard Castle. Oh, yeah. So Just if you like recall, the yes, there was a TV show. Um, called Castle, mm-hmm. and I think it went off the air maybe just a handful of years ago. Yeah, it was not long ago, it and it was, was on the air for several was, years. Yeah, because I remember I like had to binge watch to catch up because one mm-hmm. day I was like, "This is a good show." And then it I'm is like, a good show. I really enjoyed it. I, my favorite part of the show. So, if you don't know, the premise is that a writer mm-hmm. wants to do some research, mm-hmm. and he gets paired with a New York City detective, mm-hmm. and she's obviously a little um, hesitant, shall right. we say. And one of my favorite things about the show is, you know, they would go in with their coats on, and on the back of his, it would say, writer. Yeah. And I thought that was so, like, it was like a target on his back. Know, right? You know, I mean, I just thought that was so awesome. So this is, um, and he's, and so anyway, Tom Straw was the um, author of these Richard, so, okay, backing up. So the, there's the TV show, Castle, mm-hmm. and then, of course, they created a series of books to go with the series. I mean, it was such a well-created so the, concept. The books are like as if the writer in the series was writing them. Those were his books. Mm-hmm. So because based he had, on what he would have written yes. and what they talk about on the show. And okay. he had created his main character based upon this woman who was a real detective right. in the fictional world. Right. And they referred to that in the in the thing. They, they would do. be like, oh, your character, Nikki Heat, sounds a lot like right. uh, whatever the main character. Yeah. Her and name. in Castle, in these books, excuse me, in the... Um, Books. They her name is Nikki Heat. Okay, so, so that's it's a why, very yeah. like oh, it's just so funny. Layer so upon which came layer. first? I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. We can egg. ask them. Um, the, the TV show or the books? I always thought when I was watching the TV show that the books were an offshoot of the TV show because I thought that's yeah. a brilliant marketing strategy. Right. I mean, that's just so smart. Yeah. But anyway, in this sense. particular um, castle, this one's called Frozen Heat. They're all because oh, Nikki yeah, Heat's the character. That's right. So they're all different heats. And so this one's so frozen heat. that makes no sense at all to me. No, but I thought it was funny because I was coming from the tundra down here. And I perfect. thought, well, perfect read. Yeah. <laughs> we always can connect the South Dakota, South Florida thing. <laughs> so anyway, um, Tom Straw is coming mm-hmm. to Sleuthfest. Mm-hmm. He has done a ton of writing in addition to fiction. He's now writing um, books under his own name. Okay. He's come out from underneath the pseudonym. And he also has done a ton of writing for TV. Oh, wow. So he's really an accomplished writer. Yeah. Um, He has written for all kinds of TV shows you would have heard of. Grace Under Fire. Okay. Cosby. Uh Uh-huh. I remember when Whoopi Goldberg had her own sitcom, Whoopi. Um, And so, and he wrote for the Late Show with Craig Ferguson, who I think is hilarious. Yeah, I do too. So there's just, and he's been doing this for years. I mean, he wrote on Night Court, which oh, wow. if you're of our age, you would yeah. recall that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, very, very interesting guy. And um, so this particular Frozen Heat, the, the basic premise is that the main character, Nikki Heat, is this detective who has got this really solid um, line of ethics, this code of ethics. Like she's very serious in the job. She treats every victim, you know, she's in New York City, so there's numerous homicide victims and she treats every victim as if they're the only one on her you know on her Mm -hmm. radar and she doesn't allow joking in the scene there's a scene right away where um some fellow detectives are joking around in the crime scene and she won't have it so the the premise of this book is that um she has a new case 
And the new case starts giving her leads back to kind of her main drive, which is her mother was murdered. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. an unsolved case. Mm-hmm. And so the two are linked. And so mm-hmm. it's a very, actually, it's a really fun read. I mean, it's right. really fast-paced, and I really enjoyed it, actually. Oh, good. Yeah. So my main question to you is this. About the pseudonym, this this Richard Castle Tom Strothing. This is a little bit of a unique situation because mm-hmm. we've got... A fictional character on TV who's writing mm-hmm. fictional books. I mean, it's a multi-layered right. pseudonym. Right. But we've talked about a lot of other authors who use pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what your thoughts were about that. Like, using your own name or a version of your... I mean, have you thought about that at all? Well, I yeah. I think it can be any number of reasons. I, I know that some people, some people do it just because they write in several different genres. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want their fans to read one and think they're going to get like a romance and get, you know, a mystery and then be all disappointed. So if they write it, you know, and then there's people like JK Rowling who wanted to try to put her hand in something else and didn't want, you know, um, which those were good books too. They might, they might show up too. They are fantastic books. Um, but yeah, so I, um, you know, I think there's a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. why somebody would, you know, they don't like their name. There's name, their name is the same as somebody else's. That's true. And or privacy issues. I think privacy. just some privacy issues. I've heard writers yeah. say, you know, I just like to separate my life from right my professional life. I get that. I mean, I, um, but I think it's would be harder in in our current state of affairs right where mm-hmm. you you know writers really have to do so much marketing on their own and you right. say you got social media and you've got you know blogs maybe and a writer website and so you're out there so much if you're trying to market yourself and I just think that would be an extra layer I was thinking about a few weeks ago I had done a book by Nancy J. Para or uh-huh. Para I'm not sure how she pronounces it and she writes under three different pseudonyms all cozies yeah. So even in the, her same right. genre, she writes different series under different right. um, pseudonyms. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not sure why. I would be curious to ask. Well, then there's who, people that write together, like the sisters and yes. stuff that just pick up a, a name that's a combination of mm-hmm. their names so that, you know, they don't. Um, yeah. There's so many reasons. It is. It's kind of a great thing about writing is yeah. that it gives you the flexibility to craft this. Right. This. Um, career mm-hmm. in whatever way works for you and I think yeah. that's a really enticing part of it yeah yeah so okay so my food scene um so what happens is so these these the writer and the detective have gotten together mm-hmm. and in this I don't book, know if that's acceptable I don't I think well why not <laughs> life is short make it work um but uh so they are together in this um, point in the series mm-hmm. and he it sounds like he kind of does most of the cooking and meal prep he obviously has a lot of more flexibility in his day mm-hmm. than his detective girlfriend and so anyway one of the one of the evenings they're exhausted and because he's helping with the case mm-hmm. as writers do and <laughs> he decides to grab them a pie a new york city pizza oh that kind of pie. yeah he was like All i'm right. going to get a pie and <laughs> so i wanted to talk about new york city pizza Yes. And I wanted to know, first of all, obviously, if you've had the chance to enjoy it. I'm sure you have. Yes, I have. And I have also. It's been several years. But it it's as delicious as you hope it will be. Right. I mean, don't you think? I have a hard time finding a pizza I don't like. That's pretty sad. but it's It is. I love pizza, too. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's probably my favorite yeah. go-to because you can do so much with it. Right. 
But I do think New York yeah, City pizza is pretty Yeah, I think they have really special. good crust. I they like that. They have good crust. And I love the whole, like, the pizza the slice of your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that you can fold know, and dab like, the oh, grease yeah, out. And it's, and it's cheap and, you know. Yeah, on the corner, yeah. on every corner you can get, you know, yeah. a few, few bucks and like this giant slice of pizza the size right. of your head. Connor's, um, our sound editor, Connor, is nodding. He used to live in New York and he also is a fan. Yes. yes. It's probably one of the things he misses. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe. Kind of. <laughs> kind of a sideways. <laughs> a few words. So I did a little Googling because I was kind of curious. Because right. I know New Yorkers are very prideful about their pizza. Well, I know. I mean, it's, it's a serious thing. Yeah. That's I, why I hesitate to say much because I'm like, you know, I'm not as well versed. So yeah. I can't, you know. Well, it's a fair point. And didn't, okay, I know some political candidate, and I, I'm not sure if it was who I'm thinking it was, kind of got some flack for cutting the New York City pizza. Uh, and I'm sort of folding yeah. it over. See, I would cut it too sometimes. Oh. I mean, uh, that would be my I downfall too. However, I you do, get it yeah. in, who cares? But it because it's it sliding all over, and I yeah, you know, especially when you have cameras on you. But I, that was, <laughs> I remember that being a you know a point of criticism for some yes. people. Okay, so look, I I did a little research. Okay, and there's a there's a there's a theory mm-hmm. that what makes New York City pizza so good is the water. Oh, and that's Connor, what they say about with bagels, too. It is. And Connor and I were talking today about the water in New York City and how it's good. And, uh-huh. and um, so the theory is that, um, and they and they actually, there's a Wired article where a food scientist did some research. Oh, wow. This is right up the alley. <laughs> and he did um, kind of surmise that minerals and chemicals within the water contribute to the dough's flavor. And oh. it creates a chemical reaction. See there? That's, I mean... Isn't you know, that interesting? That's my, ta- my tasty tongue was like, the crust is good. And it was... It, it is. And yeah. so, and some people, um, I'm trying to think of what... Uh, Mario Battaglia has been involved in this conversation. This is years ago I'd heard about this. And he thought it was the age of some of the ovens, I, oh. I believe. But... Um, Anyway, there is like a, that would be a downfall. Like, you know, well, the oven's going in and out or well, something. Well, I suppose it's like a, like a cast iron... Yeah. skillet that if it's seasoned well right you know but anyway there is a, a, a pizzeria in california mm-hmm. called village pizzeria uh-huh. and they believe so seriously in the water theory they spend they spend ten thousand dollars a year to bring in new york city water to mix oh with their dough oh my gosh please tell me that they're like right where all the really rich movie stars are i hope from so new york or something because how can you spend that much money but on they just have water? done blind taste tests yeah their customers did say they liked the New York City water made dough and pizza That's better. That's really interesting. I think yeah. it is too. I really think it is too. And you are a water kind of aficionado. Yes, so I am a water. You're kind of a water snob. I'm a water snob. I've never yeah. met a water snob until I met well, you. I don't like the taste of chemicals in my water. And well. I know that they have to put them in, in a lot of, you know, city water because, you know, hey, you don't want bacteria either. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But bacteria's bad. <laughs> but I can taste the chlorine so much that yeah. I ju- and maybe it's from my years of swimming, and I don't want to feel like I'm drinking pool water or something. Mm, fair point. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. That is well, Richard Castle, written by Tom Straw. Right. Come to Sleuth Fest, and you can hear him speak as well. I know. Saying awesome. Sleuth Fest, Sleuth Fest ambassadors. That's us. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so now it's time for our writer's perspective. General. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. Kathy, you this get to is... choose our writerly discussion this I week. I did, I did. And I it's a it's kind of a fun thing to get to pick. Yeah. And so if anybody's wondering, one of us picks the wine, 
Mm-hmm. And one of us picks the writer's perspective. Yep. So, equally fun. <laughs> I, today, wanted to talk about finding comparables. Okay. For your work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're going to get ready to pitch. And you'll need this for multiple levels. But yeah. I just had, I just did a blog post about my latest attempt to find a recent comparable. Mm-hmm. And you had just recently mentioned when we did episode... 15, I think. 15? Yeah. That... The book you would use, that was a comparable for right. Gator Moon. Your right. work in progress. Not work in progress, work. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I want to know what your thoughts were about finding comparables. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a hard thing to do. I do, too. I think that um, because you have to kind of, one, step out and, and, I guess, try to predict what, you know, the reader of this book, whether they would want to read your book, because you're never going to find anything exactly the same as no. yours. And in fact, on my, you know, latest queries, I was saying it's comparable to this and this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I picked two recent. Mm-hmm. So you have to be on top of that. Yeah. And then I said, you know, but more of the tone of this, because even though you might have the same sort of crowd, I don't know. It's hard to, it, it is. And you want, you want, I don't know. You want them to understand what your book is like. Well, and who's going to buy it? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the bottom line is you're telling an agent what they can tell a publisher, Hey, here's the, the audience for this book. Who's going to, who's already buying these books and they'll buy hers because of this. Right. And I, when I had, I had come up with, um, comparables last summer, um, Mm -hmm. before we went to Thriller Fest and pitched. And they were they were fine. They get that they got the idea across, you know, mm-hmm. for plot and character. But one of the agents said, you know what, these aren't recent enough. I right. need something within like two years. Yeah. And so I recently went to um, a bookstore, Barnes and Noble. I happened mm-hmm. to go to, and I just went in the mysteries and fiction section because Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble divides their books in a way that doesn't. Oh, make never my... can find what I want. Yeah, it's, it's so really weird. interesting. Yeah. So I had to do both fiction and mysteries. But what's really great that a library is super helpful for this too. But the difference in a library for this task and a bookstore is that in the library you don't have the the luxury of having new releases separated right. from old ones. And in the bookstore, as we all know, new releases are by and large going to be hard covers, right? And they will have them usually face oh, like up. on an end cap a right. lot of the time, right? Like new thrillers, yeah. or new. And so I literally went alphabetical. I mean, I spent hours doing this. My husband was golfing, so he was, he was good. <laughs> <laughs> Indoors in South okay. Dakota. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I went through A through Z, and I grabbed as many as I could and looked, and I was looking for comparables that I hadn't been exposed to yet. Right. You know, not the usual ones I'm reading. And so not only did I walk away with a great to-be-read pile, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I did find some good comparables that, yeah. I, that I wouldn't have come to. Right. If I hadn't gone to a bookstore, and, and put I think that, time that in. just shows that you've made an effort, mm-hmm. you know, that you know what else is out there, so you're, you know, not just going blind, yeah. and you're not acting like, well, I'm the only one that ever wrote this, right? And, and you know, creative um, people, writers, it the tendency is not to put yourself in a box, right? right. I mean, right. that's you, you fight yeah. that because, and plus, they want you. You know, we want to see the newest, latest, and greatest, but right. we also want to know what you're just like, right? <laughs> you're but like, you, what? But I remember, I, had, I this is gosh, I've written I, this is a very interesting topic to me, and I had written a, a blog post a long time ago when I was first starting this task. And I, I, I did you ever watch The Real Housewives? Um, of no. anything? 
Uh, I've seen shows. Okay. Yeah. I I don't watch it regularly, so I can't tell you a name of a character, but I know kind of, I can picture their faces. I hadn't, I haven't watched it for a few years, but I went right away when I started doing this, it reminded me of, um, it was the Real Real Housewives of New York City. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters was coming with a new clothing line. Okay. Okay. And so she was having Bethany Frankel, who Mm -hmm. has a very successful you know, skinny girl line. Okay. Help her, helping her with her marketing kind mm-hmm. of concept. So Bethany was saying, well, where would it, where would this, where would your clothes go mm-hmm. on the floor of Neiman Marcus or Macy's? Like, what would they go by? And she's like, nothing. It's not like anything else. <laughs> I and I, and, and Bethany's face was like, oh, I mean, like, she was like this, you're not, I heard writers say the same thing. Yeah. Like, I, there's nothing I can compare it to. Right. And I was like, well, then that's going to make it really hard for Somebody agents and, and publishers and editors to, yeah, sell it to the right. next group. Right. So I think so. Yeah. So that's the thing you have to get around. You have to say, mm-hmm. okay, it's not exactly the same. Right. You know, but it's like this. Right. And, have if, to... and, and I did, I did the same thing when I went to Barnes and Noble, I went and talked to one of the people working there oh, and I that's said, great. And, and they were actually pretty encouraging because they're like, Oh, we need more YA thrillers. I always have people coming and asking. And I was like, well, can you tell the agents and publishers? <laughs> yeah. Can I record you saying that please? <laughs> because then they might pick mine. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a hard thing, but a very good topic to discuss. It is. It's, yeah. I really like it because it is hard. It is. Yeah. It, you kind of want to stay yeah. away from it, but it's a reality of things. Yes. So. Yep. All right. Well, good. All right, so we've we've had some wine, we've had some conversation. What did you think about um, the buttercream Chardonnay? Well, I liked it with each drink even better. <laughs> is that yes. is that a fair point? Yes, I think neither one of us are Chardonnay drinkers. We're not, so we didn't cringe. No, so therefore. It's, it's probably a delicious good. Chardonnay. <laughs> I just don't know because I, you know, we haven't tasted enough Chardonnays. No, but I think this is good, and I, I do too. I mean, I and I think you know it's really probably good with some cheese. So maybe after this, we'll oh, crack out the cheese. That sounds awesome. Whatever. That there is a cheese in that fridge of yours that is so delicious. Yeah, the I leek love. and morel uh, mm-hmm, mushroom mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a fan. Yep. Okay. All right. So, everybody, that's all for this episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. If you liked listening, which we really hope you did, Mm -hmm. please be sure to subscribe to us so you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. Yes, and as always, give us um, a shout-out on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what you like and what you want to hear more of, and um, we'll maybe even talk back to you. (laughs) That'd be great. So this is Christy. And Kathy. Saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.